can't really sing. <laughs> la 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 Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. The Sports Blog New York podcast is on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, as well as Google Play, which you can find simply by searching Sports Blog New York podcast or go to sportsblognewyork.com, click on the podcast tab. Any of those articles will lead you in the right direction. If you don't do so already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We appreciate every listener, and we love nothing more than to hear some feedback from the listeners wherever you may be, whether it's in New York City, New Jersey, or all the way out in California. But as always, we appreciate each listener, and we have a great show planned for you today. Now, before we get into a bunch of different things going on on the bill, we got Odell news. Not exactly great news, but Odell news. The Mets and Yankees are hitting midseason. The Yankees are hitting midseason form, not the same for the Mets, but we'll get into that. And then, of course, we'll talk about the NBA playoffs, a little NBA draft, and we're, we're touching on some football, because football, believe it or not, is around the corner. And it makes some people happy, and it makes some people, <clears throat> Jets fans, a little sad. But we'll get into that as well. But without further ado, let me introduce my guest for the day. Back on the pod, he's maybe had a week or two off, a little hiatus. Joe Calabrese, welcome back. I think it's been more than two weeks. I was because just, it's been close to a month I've been... I was giving I you the benefit of the doubt. You did, you did. I'm back, though. And you're you're back and better than ever, because you're ready to spit some fire. We were yeah, texting all day today. I got a lot, of, a lot of fire I want to spit. I'm very enthusiastic about some of the things we're going to be talking about tonight. He has a couple takes that may be warm, some may be hot, but he's got takes, and they're ready. We're going to get into that. And we had a new guest on the podcast today, coming down, well, he's from New York, but he's traveling back from Louisiana, from LSU, Nick Negrowski, welcome to the pod. Thank you, Pete. I'm, I'm happy to, to finally get my chance to be here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, had, I wanted to come on the podcast for, for a long time, and it's harder than you realize, I guess, to, to podcast from a remote location. Yes. The, our technology is uh, stuck in, yeah. like, the 2000s, <laughs> so call-ins don't exactly work that well for us right now. I mean, at least we're giving really clean, good audio like we like to give, but now you're here, you're back home, and you're on the pod ready to spit some fire. Always. And now I'm ready to ask you specifically about something. We're going to kick it off with you. So you're an LSU guy. I am. You're also a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Are you a Giants fan? I am. So you got two birds, one stone here. How do LSU fans and Louisiana people feel about Odell Beckham Jr., especially with the news coming out about OTAs this week? I think from LSU, uh, you're, you're going to get more love for Odell simply because uh, of the success that he's had, and it always reflects well on the program. Uh, also, LSU football in general is like nothing you'll see up here. I think SEC fandom is something that you have to experience for yourself. You hear it a lot um, about the SEC bias and things like that, but really all you get down there is the SEC. It's like the SEC is the way, NFL adjacent. Right. Almost. So the, the way that you follow the NBA is the way people down there follow the SEC. Not necessarily college sports, just the SEC. Wow, that is really interesting. I mean, if you ever listen to the Paul Feinbaum show... It's well, religion down there. Th- like, that man... I mean, people hate him, but they love to hate him, or they love him, and maybe hate to love him. I don't know how it works. But he has callers who are some of the most interesting characters you could ever imagine call into the Paul Feinbaum show. But SEC football, like you said, is a religion. And whether you're an LSU fan or an Alabama fan, the SEC is your pride and joy. 
hundred percent. So Odell is one of the pride babies of the SEC, oh, if yeah, you will, for sure. So with these, with this news, and I have a take on this that I'll get to in a minute. I'm sure Joe's going to chime in as well. With this news, with something like the OTAs, that he does, doesn't show up to Giants OTAs. You know, Giants fans are showing their frustration, and they're kind of proving that they're not just going to put up with Odell and his antics forever. LSU fans, on the other hand, you think act differently. Yeah, I don't, you know. They don't care about that. They don't because I think that a lot of, also take into account that a lot of LSU fans are Saints fans. They don't care about the Giants. Right. So you either have Saints fans who are not interested or Cowboys fans who would rather Odell didn't come. (laughs) So I think there's, there's definitely some mixed rooting interest there. But I also think that LSU alumni are, are remembered fondly regardless of what they do in the NFL. Even Ruben Randall? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> it's funny you ask because I got into a fight with, uh, with one of my roommates recently as a Giants fan, not as an LSU fan. You know, I said, I can't stand Ruben Randall. And he said, but, but Ruben Randall, uh, he was a good receiver in the NFL. And in all fairness, I can understand how people might think that based on his numbers. Because he did have maybe two or three good years as a Giant. He made plays sometimes. Yeah, he Sometimes is very key, um, but all in all, he, his Giants tenure left a, a bad taste in most Giants fans' mouth, I think. Absolutely. Uh, when Dwayne Harris started being way more effective than Ruben Randall, who's like, what, 6'4", looks like a freak, acts like a freak, and then sucks half the time, you know, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth. Yeah, but, uh, for sure. Let's get off Ruben Randall, because he's, <laughs> he's so far gone past irrelevant at this point. So, you mentioned how, you know, maybe a Louisiana fan, LSU fan, feels about Odell. Maybe they don't really care about the Giants, so that doesn't bother him. But now you have a little taste of both sides. Right. How does his actions with OTAs, like, what does that mean to you as a Giants fan and LSU guy? To me, personally, I, it doesn't bother me much. I think that this is something that comes up every year. I think by the time the actual season starts, it ends up a non-issue. Absolutely. I, I think that this is something that, that the media... Loves to blow out of proportion. I think it's something that gets clicks. Uh, You know, it even gets people excited about football to a certain extent. And people want to talk about Odell. So I think he came out and said, you know, people are going to make stories. Um, Yes, wait, I have a tweet right here that you're alluding to. Right. He tweeted today, quote, if they don't have a story these days, they'll make one. And then, end quote, I might get that tatted. Hashtag, Hashtag stay the course. Which, in turn, I responded on my Twitter, which is at Pete underscore Kennedy 81. A friend asked me if I care that Odell missed some OTAs. Dot, dot, dot. Absolutely not. And more importantly, he definitely does not care either. So that's how I feel about it. And I think you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, This is such a non-issue to me that I'm kind of tired of hearing it. But I'm also glad that there are some people who point out the fact that this is irrelevant. This is OTAs. Organized team... uh, What's the A? Why did I just draw a blank there? Isn't it activities? Oh, activities. <laughs> not a hard word to remember, but No, yeah. it's not. These are OTAs. Like These are nothing in the grand scheme of things. If he misses, you know, training camp, and he misses a couple days before preseason, then you start getting, all right, Odell, what the hell are you doing? This is months and months before preseason. Right. Let's all relax. Odell has been training. I don't care that he's been training with Johnny Manziel. They're friends. Let them be friends. If Odell comes to preseason and comes to camp uh, out of shape, then I'll be worried. If he comes to the first preseason game and then week one of the regular season and he doesn't look like Odell Beckham Jr. on the field, 
then I'll be worried. But I have a really confident feeling that week one's going to come around and he's going to be a top three receiver in the league still. So I don't give a damn that he missed some OTAs. No, and that's the thing about Odell is that all he's ever done is is show up in games. If you know, you, I, you I have never... pick maybe on one hand how many plays he hasn't shown up for. Right. Those couple passes that he dropped here and there that really, you know, were big spots. But it was, like I said, one hand you can count. Yeah, I have never been worried about Odell uh, as far as... And another thing, uh, not to get too far off topic, but as far as Odell being a distraction in general... Uh, that I think that that's another thing that people blow out of proportion. The 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 kicking net and crying and, and making holes in walls or whatever is not... If you're Eli Manning, uh, are you standing on the sidelines like, wow, Odell has to stop hitting that net or else <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do my job? It, it's something that people really blow out of proportion. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I want to get Joe, Joe Cal's opinion on this one too. So, Joe Cal, yes. Odell, Odell situation. Yes. How you feeling? Uh, well, considering the Jets have had to deal with a dominant personality in the locker room over the last two years and Brandon Marshall, um, I mean, I can see why some people would think it's a problem, especially some fans. And for the most part, and this is something that Nick and I have talked about in the past because I've probably been to – Quite a few Giants games in my life, believe it or not, even though I'm a Jets fan. Predominantly, and it's like the Yankees, the Giants have always been the number one team in town. Their fan base definitely skews a little bit older, I would say, overall. Mm-hmm. I would say the mean age of Giants fans on a whole, probably somewhere in your late 30s, your 40s, your 50s, you know what I mean? It seems like... The fan bases of both the Yankees and the Giants are very similar in retrospect to their other tickets in town, the Mets and the Jets. So when Odell, over the last, his first few years in the league, when he's out on the field with his antics, when he's out off the field with his antics, he's on a party boat a week before a playoff game, it's not so much he's a, a prima donna or a diva or a bad personality or a bad active presence in the locker room. But it's like all these things add up. And when you have a fan base of 40 and 50-year-olds, old school guys. Old school guys. They're just like tough old-fashioned guys. You know, like... You you have all these events, and then these these fans will come out and they'll say like, oh, this, this, kid, this kid's immature. This kid's a head case. You know, in my day, these receivers weren't like that. You know what I mean? Right. And it's... And it, 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 it and oh, I, I do agree with Odell's tweet in the sense that the media has to kind of fabricate these stories a little bit. They've kind of got to add a little between the line stuff because that's what you know that's what you have to do to sell newspapers and to, to sell stuff on TV these days. So I mean, I, like I said, I just I don't think it's so much of a of an issue. I think most Giants fans, and that would be including Nick over here to my left, are very level headed when it comes to Odell. And Not all of gen- us are. I'm just saying. <laughs> Gener- I've heard some people be freaking out about it. Yeah, generally speaking, I I love watching him. I think he's very entertaining to watch. And just the nature of the beast. Not everybody who's going to be on a 53-man roster is going to be a perfect saint. They're not going to come out and say all the right things. 
you know, they're not going to be this this introverted person back at home. Like, they're going to go out. They're going to enjoy their lives. They're going to party. They're going to be in the tabloids. They're going to be in the news. And I understand Odell is sometimes a little flamboyant. Maybe he's a little rambunctious in his personality. But from everything that I've seen, especially in post-game interviews, he seems like a very well-spoken guy. Absolutely. It's very easy to see why people in LSU loved him, especially when he was down there. So I, I just, like I said, this is a spring issue. This is stuff that'll sell newspapers like the Giants have to be in the news now with OTA so this is obviously the story that they're gonna right. try to sell like this is something that's coming out just to have something to talk about with football like if the say if God forbid if the Knicks were in the playoffs this would not this would be complete non-story because New York would actually have something to care about because it's the middle of the baseball season you're almost going to be at the lull of baseball season soon so this is something that gets talked about because there's not much else to talk about and football sells so that's all. That's all I talk up to personally, and I have. A, I don't want to call it like insight. I don't know. I'm sure this was a known thing for people who follow like them on social media. But Odell Beckham, Johnny Manziel, and Von Miller, the three of them, were at a Drake concert in Paris, France. I had. A, I had two friends who were there. There were Snapchats of them within feet of Johnny Manziel and Odell Beckham, and they said Johnny Manziel didn't touch a drink the whole night. Odell Beckham, they didn't really see him drinking much either, but he was dancing around, having a phenomenal time. He didn't stop dancing the whole night. So clearly Odell and Johnny are friends. Maybe Odell wants to help Johnny. Maybe he's trying to help him get back on the right track. So people try to, like, you know, maybe they try to think of the worst. Maybe they, you know, just make stuff up for the sake of making stuff up. But it's all ridiculous. It's spring storylines about football. So it's irrelevant to me. And I'm glad we're all on the same page with that because I think we're all being pretty damn rational about it. And I hear callers in on ESPN Radio and the fan, and they're freaking out. And they're like, get this guy Odell, like, put him on a leash, figure it out. Eli Manning is going to get pissed off. Like, nah. If Eli Manning throws a slant and Odell takes it 60, he'll be fine. Mike and Mattisquan, you're on fan. Uh, what's up? Mike, the Giants got to trade Odell. Uh. <laughs> Shouts to Francesa, who I don't listen to, as you guys know. Yeah. But I, res- I respect the game. I respect the game. All right, let's move on off Odell. He doesn't deserve it. He, he deserved what we told him, I think. We were giving them pretty fair answers there. So, Giant fans, relax. It's okay. It's OTAs. All right? But let's talk about a different football topic that has been in the news for months at this point now. So, Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. He has a workout planned for the Seattle Seahawks. But the Seattle Seahawks have also been in the news for not exactly the most positive of things lately. So, big story on ESPN lately coming out talking about Pete Carroll and the culture that he sets up and how Russell Wilson may get treated a little differently, especially compared to some defensive guys. Richard Sherman has been really outspoken about it. But let's not focus too much on that because that's been a big storyline, and we haven't touched on the cap thing yet. And Joe Cal, I'm going to go to you first because you said... My mans. You're ready to go on this. I'm ready to go. Colin Kaepernick. Yes. Does he have a job soon? Does he deserve a job? And what should this job be? Uh, This is... All right, well, let's answer one question one by one. Will he have a job soon? Yes, I believe he will. I, I don't, when there's smoke, there's fire. So I don't think the fact that Seattle, the Seahawks, brought him in this week to, to work him out, I don't think that's a fluke. I think that there is legitimate interest as him as a backup quarterback. And I, I happen to think, considering the personalities on that team, considering the type of coach that Pete Carroll is, considering the type of management structure that they have at the top with, uh, John Schneider and company, 
uh, I happen to think that would be a really, really nice potential landing spot to, to maybe reinvent and restart Cap's career. Except he probably wouldn't really play. But yeah. No, obviously not. But that's what happens when, you, when you're a backup. But I think it's a fit considering the, the, the rivalry that the 49ers and the Seahawks had. Considering the types of players, maybe a little apples and oranges because Russ and Cap aren't exactly the same guy. But, but they're both mobile guys. They had experience using the read option very early in their career. So it, it could be a fit. Right. So do I think he'll have a job soon? Yes. Now... This is this is a little bit of a hot take. I I don't necessarily think Colin Kaepernick is a bad player. I think there are a lot of people out there who think he's a bad player, and I would happen to disagree with them. I don't think he's a good player. You know, he's not a bad player. He's not a good player. He's you just call this a, a hot player. Take? This is a lukewarm take right now. <laughs> well, you have to understand something. At the beginning of last season, I would cons- like a majority of this country wanted Colin Kaepernick's head severed from his body, considering what he did with the whole National Anthem right, controversy, now, the whole fiasco. Now that was hot. But it's the truth. Yeah, no, it is. It's absolutely the truth. And I think this is this is what I was getting before with Giants fans and having that old school mentality. Majority of football fans across this country predominantly probably skew a little bit older. Like, so when they like, see... Hold on, hold on. Like, how do you think an SEC fan would feel about something like that? Oh boy, that's probably <laughs> that's not off the SEC fans' alley. Um, the the whole kneeling, no, but also consider quarterback play in the SEC in general. Uh, we tend to to shy away from that. I, <laughs> the, <laughs> um, the last time LSU had a good quarterback, and I I say good uh, generously, um, was Jamarcus Russell. Oof. And you know how that panned out. He's a lot. So, but yeah, I, for sure, people are not happy about Kaepernick being who he is, but as far as his actual play, you know, we tend, in the SEC, we're more worried about hitting the quarterback than we are what the quarterback is doing. That's a damn good point. And I, I mean, Joe, I think one of your points that you were getting to, maybe you did really mention it, he's better than other quarterbacks who have jobs. And that's a fact. I, ab- I absolutely believe that. I think raw talent-wise, it's there. He, he's, he strikes me as a, tool bo- a, a tools, no toolbox guy. Now, you can't teach tools. And I know that sounds so cliche, like, oh, you can't teach speed, you can't teach arm strength, like, you can- blah, 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 you can't teach that. But it's the truth. Like, there is just some players out there, there are some athletes out there who are more physically gifted than others. And I'm not going to deny that Kaepernick doesn't have talent because he clearly does. There's no way he would have worked as many years as he did with Jim Harbaugh if he wasn't a talented player. So, yes, I believe he has tools. Now, the toolbox-wise, as you can see what happened in San Francisco, eventually... Jim Harbaugh took his toolbox with him, basically. Yes. (laughs) It speaks volumes of how good of a mind and how strong Harbaugh is as a personality where he can relate to Kaepernick and get the most out of him on the playing field. But, you know, that speaks about volumes about Harbaugh. But as, as we've seen the last couple of years with San Francisco, they made the NFC Championship three straight years. Granted, they had a very, very good defense, usually top three, four, five in the league at the time. But at the same time, you need to play the other side of the ball. And Harbaugh was winning with both Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. But he got to a Super Bowl with the latter. If you get to a Super Bowl, 
The chance. How many fluke quarterbacks in NFL history have gotten to a Super Bowl? Even if you want to call them a fluke quarterback, right. In Super Bowl standards, they're still at least. A would you put Would you put Colin Kaepernick in the same category as a guy like a Rex Grossman or like a Trent Dilfer? Better. I, I would say I he's believe he's a that. better player. I mean, I'm, I I'm with you. I that he's a I better think player. he should have a job, but at the same time, I understand teams that say, "All right, he's going to be our backup." I don't want my backup quarterback to be a headline. I think that's a fair reason to not go in that direction. If you can get another quarterback who's a quality backup, because you, you know, backup quarterback, as much as it seems like a walk in the park, it's a position. You're basically like an extended coach. Yes. You're doing important things for the offense. Right. And, um, and I don't, know, I don't know if that's in Cap's uh, – yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's in Cap's wheelhouse, but that's besides the point. If but that's why I think it could be a, a backup job may not necessarily be the worst thing in the entire world for him. He needs to kind of let it run, like ride out. He needs to right. be low-key for a little while. Right. And I, I think I definitely think he'll get another chance. He will. And in regard to teams that he would could start for, I'll, I'll start with the New York Jets. If Colin Kaepernick was my starter right now, I'd be like, okay, you know, it is what it is. They're going to win maybe one or two games next year. That's fine. But objectively speaking, I think Kaepernick is better, better than every guy on the Jets roster. It's not saying that much. No, maybe. it's not saying much <laughs> at all. But if you're telling me would I rather take my chances and try to fight for a playoff spot with a Josh McCown-led team or a Colin Kaepernick-led team, I'd go with Kaepernick. Ten times out of ten. Right, 100%. You look at the situation with Cleveland. Coming off last year, Brock Osweiler, not so hot. Not so good. You look at a guy like Deshaun Kaiser. He's had a lot of issues, and, a lo- and he's, from a prototype standpoint, he projects a lot like Kaepernick. He's a guy who's a lot of tools, but no toolbox, and a, he didn't win a lot of games in Notre Dame this year. You're telling me if you threw Cap into the fire there with a guy like Hugh Jackson, he wouldn't compete for the starting job? I think he could. Uh, well, Houston, they, they grabbed their franchise guy in the draft this year, so they're out. Um, there are a couple of other teams that you could... Say like, oh, maybe he could start. Maybe for the Rams because I'm not really a golf guy. But right. When but you, you know, when, but you, when you make that kind of trade, obviously you're going to start that guy, exactly. right? But I'm just, I'm just throwing ideas out there. No, I mean, I feel you, and I think it's I'm sure there are two or three other teams that have quarterbacks out there who you could make a good case. Like Kaepernick could compete with this guy realistically because he's at the tail end of his career, or he's just kind of a middle of the pack, middle of the road journeyman veteran kind of guy. So, but also, I, I think. You may be overrating Kaepernick a little bit because no coach is going to play Blaine Gabbert unless they absolutely have to. Uh, If you have Blaine Gabbert starting for your team over any quarterback, that really does not reflect great, regardless of what's going on with them personally, on who you are as a player. Because I know that there's no head coach in the NFL who wants to go to war with Blaine Gabbert. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, and you're saying that, that Kaepernick can compete with a lot of these guys, but if Kaepernick was losing out to Gabbert, I don't know how I feel about that. That's a really good point. I and think that was more to do with Chip Kelly and the fact that he just didn't want to start Kaepernick amidst the controversy. Like, no offense. I get it. Kaepernick went 1-10 as a starter last year. But his best skill position player on offense was Jeremy freaking Curley. Jeremy Curley used to be a slot receiver on the Jets. Their next best... Position player was probably Vance McDonald, okay? And Caps still completed 59% of his passes last year. Didn't throw a lot of picks at all. Did not throw. He, his touchdown-to-interception ratio was 16-4. to 4. Now, I do get that he probably put up a decent amount of that production in garbage time. I get that. But at the same time, when you look at those numbers strictly through 
some kind of objective lens, you say to yourself, wow, he's like, usually you want your, a guy in, at the NFL level completing 60% of his passes, right? That's kind of like the baseline. And if your guy is throwing touchdowns to interceptions at a four to one ratio, you know, that's pretty good. So I could, I just looking at that stat, looking at those stats, I could just say, all right, he was taking care of the football. He was, he was making good plays on the field despite the, the, the awful situation that was handed to him. And I mean, obviously he brought a lot of that stuff on himself with the, the, the off-field. Right. Well, I'm going to stop you here for a second because we got we to gotta get move on. We got Mets and Yankees stuff to talk about. We got some oh, NBA great. stuff Wonderful. to talk about. And I know you're going to get pumped up about, you know, speaking high about the Yankees and negative about the Mets because that's, that's how you roll. That's how I roll. You're also not wrong. But last, <laughs> last, this is my last closing thought on Kaepernick. I think it's a shame the way he's getting perceived on all ends from team aspects as well as the media. Um, he's kind of looked at in a really weird light to a lot of people right now. And I think it's a shame because I think you should look at his talent uh, more than anything else. But like Nick said, maybe his talent isn't that great and teams know this. Michael Kay said this today about Odell Beckham. Talent cures everything. The reason why Odell Beckham is getting away with all this right now is because he's a top three receiver in the league. Now, if Colin Kaepernick were Aaron Rodgers and he was making a big, uh, whatever, a big social stand, whatever you want to call it. If Aaron Rodgers were doing that, he'd still be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers because he's Aaron Rodgers. Kaepernick has fallen off, and it's a shame that that perfect storm of negativity for his career came at once. The controversy off the field and his play kind of on the down end of his athletic prime. So it's kind of a bad storm for him, but it, it happened, and it's true. You have to accept both sides. I think he'll have a job, and I think that's good for him. Hopefully the outside stuff can calm down. He could be a football player again. But let's move on. Sports Blog New York Podcast. I'm Pete Kennedy. Joe Calabrese. Nick Agrowski. In the house. We got Mets and Yanks coming up. We got playoffs and NBA draft coming up. Let's start off with... You know what? Let's start off with the Mets. Let's get the negative out of the way first. Joe, before I talk, yes. try to bring up any positive thing I could possibly think of. A.K.A. I need time to try to think of something positive. Give, give me your two cents. Give me your thoughts about the Mets right now. Talent-wise, I think they're fine. What? They're not a bad team. Like, on paper, they're not a bad team. Okay. That's the nicest thing I can say about them. Unfortunately, injuries-wise, uh, hasn't really panned out too much this year for them. And there's still a lot of question marks in that starting rotation, despite the fact that some guys have pitched well. I think DeGrom on the whole has pitched pretty well this season. I think Wheeler, coming off of his injury problems, has been pretty good this season. I, if, your, your, if your biggest problems are Harvey, who's been a problem now for three years, and Gazelman, who actually had pitched pretty good last night, all things considering. He had a quality start against the Padres, and the bullpen blew it two nights ago. Two oh, yeah. nights ago? Mm-hmm. Montero pitched last night. Because it's tomorrow. If you think about it. People are listening to this on Friday. Not oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget. I forget. Yeah, I, yes. That is podcast magic. Oh, it's good. Yeah. It's good. A uh, little uh, little slip there. A little tidbit. Yeah. Uh, so wait. Yeah, so. Are you counting them out? Is it over? Are they done? I wouldn't, I wouldn't count them out. Only because I think this has been such a bizarre start to the season. I mean, the first month of the season, the, the Cincinnati Reds led the, the NL Central. And now we're in May, and the Brewers are leading the Central. And it's like the Colorado Rockies are one of the best teams in baseball. 
And objectively speaking, their best pitcher is Tyler Chatwood. Oof. Right? But they hit one to nine. The Nationals have always been the chief competition in the division. And once again, they're the team to beat in the division again. But the Mets have the horses to make a run. I, I think so. I mean, they're not catching the Nationals, but wild card is, you know, it's there. The wild card is always it's attainable. There. It's always feasible, especially now with the second wild card. And uh, Though I will say that in order for the Mets to, to have any kind of hope in turning it around, they need another bullpen arm or two. They absolutely 100% have to upgrade the bullpen by the end of the season. Like, the lineup, the lineup will fix itself. Cespedes will come back. Granderson's kind of starting to hit a little bit. Conforto back on the horse. There you go. Is, well, now you brought now up he's, my, now he's in top three in the o, in OPS. Wait, in you brought up my only positive. Off. You brought up my only positive. What am I going to say now? Well, there's some other <laughs> other positives. You know, the Rivera's have been fine, and you know, yeah. clean up duty as plug and play guys. Um, Nick, I want to bring you in on yeah. this, just so you know, listeners. Nick's a Yankee fan, too. Preface that. But I'll give you the floor. I am a Yankee fan, but I will say that I'm a, a Met supporter. I'm not Joe, who is... Who likes dig- digging at me every oh, time he can. He, he loves it. Oh, I do. Uh, I love it. I like the Mets, and I, I can appreciate Mets fandom for sure, because it's torture. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I I know that it's, it's really beating a dead horse, but the... The fact that the Mets can't look internally and say, we bring all these injuries on ourselves every year, and it just keeps happening. To me, it's they have to do something about that. Uh, you're, they built themselves up so well as far as pitching, and it's sad to see uh, the way that it's kind of falling apart on them. I don't think that they're, they're out of it uh, by any stretch, because like Joe said... Uh, the Rockies are are the best team in the NL. Um, with the second wild card, I don't. I think any team can make a run uh, and put themselves in that second wild card spot. But I, you know, it's it's hard to watch right now. <laughs> You're telling me, man. So I got a couple guys who I'm talking to about the Mets today, and there's two things that stood out in our conversation to me. Number one is we have three we have three catchers on the roster right now. We got. We just recalled Travis Darnell. We got Rene Rivera, and we got um, uh, what the heck's his name? Our third catcher, Pulecki. Sorry, is he maybe is it a different guy? Oh no, Kevin Pulecki. It's Pulecki, right? Well, did uh, Pulecki just get sent down? I think? Just, no, yeah. no, no. There's another catcher up now too, though. Whatever. Besides the point, there was three catchers on the roster for the Mets yesterday. Right. That is frustrating in and of itself because our bullpen is struggling so hard, and we have a guy in AAA right now, Ahmed Rosario, who has been on an absolute tear hitting the baseball, and hitting was supposed to be his weakness. He's a great fielder, and Mets fans are just praying for him to come up. And Mets management and Terry Collins alike are continuing to mishandle injuries, like you said before, and mishandle the roster and not give Mets fans what they want. The only thing that I can say is that thank damn God that Milo Conforto is now a shoo-in in the leadoff spot every single night. Because he is the only thing on the Mets that every night I could turn on the game and be excited about. Otherwise, DeGrom, I feel pretty good about, like you said before. Other than that, almost everybody else is negative to me right now. It's really tough. 
Jay Bruce has been fine. I was literally just Jay going Bruce, to mention Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce has been fine, and I'm happy that he's been but fine. But where is he? Uh, what do you mean? Like, in the order? Like, he bats fourth, usually. No, I know, but, like, injury-wise... He like, was backed up a little bit, but he's fine. He's back in the lineup last night. I mean, there's but, just so many things that are hindering them from winning. And every time they win two or three series in a row, they get swept out of nowhere. And it's two steps forward, two steps back. It's not, like, two steps forward, one step back, and they're slowly but surely gaining. It's two steps forward, and then two, or three steps back. And it's tough to watch. And that's that, I guess. Speechless <laughs> on the Mets. <laughs> I, you know, I, and, and you say, uh, like, Conforto is the one bright spot, and then Jay Bruce is fine. He's so good. When, yeah, he's right, good. but that's the thing. So when you're talking about a 25-man roster, and the second best thing you can say about a team is that one guy is fine. He's all right. Yeah, it's not great. Not great. No. So let's cross town, and let's talk about Aaron Judge a little bit. Let's talk about him in comparison to Michael Conforto, because I think it's really cool that in New York baseball, despite the fact that the Yankees are in the running and the Mets are not really right now, we got two new faces of New York baseball right now. Because I'm very confident to say Conforto is the face of the Mets at this moment in time. The I'll, face of the Mets? Well, wow. On the field, like in, in terms of play. Wow. In terms of play. He's our best player by far, and I have no problem saying that. I'll, will you give me, why do you give me that face? You don't think Noah Syndergaard is the face of the Mets right well, now? Well, is Noah Syndergaard on the field right now? Noah oh, Syndergaard okay, is fair, on the fair. DL. Fair. So that's why I'm saying on the field, Michael Conforto. Obviously, Cespedes would be above him too right. on the DL. So what am I going to do? He's the best player on our team. That's that. We got a guy. He's the, he's the future face of the Mets. Syndergaard and DeGrom are there too, but it's Conforto. And Aaron Judge is in right field. He's got a goddamn Judge's chair behind him, <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, I mean to me... It's a little bit aggressive. It's his first year. Granted, he's been phenomenal. He's in the top three for uh, AL MVP right now, which is spectacular. But slow your damn roll, Yankee fans. Slow your roll. Does it make you nervous at all that this guy's getting all this praise already? Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, you, I'll let you start oh, because I, maybe I'll dampen some of your enthusiasm a little bit. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, well, I will start with a point that we made before we started this podcast. When it comes to Yankees management, they're very old school, old fashioned type of people. That's the way they've always been. I mean, we see it with policy, the no beard thing. You know, the, the, for the longest time, it's like the Yankees are the no fun team, you know? Right. And they come across as like that organization that act like you've been there before. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you win 27 championships, but they, they've, there's always been the evil empire, holy art and now, holy and now kind of feeling vibe to them. So for me to see them put judges' chambers seats in right field at Yankee Stadium, considering how traditionalist the thinking and the, the process, just about every single aspect top to down in this organization... I, I even thought that was a little too much for me. Really? And I mean, I get it. I, like, but you're but if they were like, all right, Joe, you're sitting in the upper deck right now. You're invited to sit in the judges' chamber. You're, <laughs> you're there with your gavel. Oh yeah, I'm there gown. with the gavel and the gown and the wig, and I'm banging. And I'm just, I'm having a good time. <laughs> I okay. So now I, I will I will get to the praise of Judge. <laughs> He's clearly being groomed to be the next captain of the Yankees, from what he. 
does in the post-game interviews, he's always one of the very first guys that they want to get to. They're always talking about his, like they, they're always comparing him to Jeter and how he conducts himself and how humble he is and how much of a team first guy he is. And that's absolutely great. That is, that is really great. And there's no bigger fan of Aaron Judge than me, especially when you look on my Twitter. Every other night, I'm just saying something Aaron Judge related. Shout but, out, I can, but I can kind of... Shout out that Twitter of yours. My Twitter? Yeah, shout it out. JCalabrese1. Give the listeners uh, what they want, just in case they want to <laughs> give you a follow-up. You know? Come on. Well, I care about the, the logo on the front of the jersey more than the back of the jersey. He's a humble guy. I'm a very humble guy. <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I could see the rationale why you like you would want us Yankees fans like me to, to slow your roll when it comes to judge. Like I get it. I'm just I saying. Totally get it. I'm, I'm pulling up a list right now just to have some more names uh, at my disposal here. But Aaron Judge is a rookie, correct? Technically, yes. And he's how old? Twenty five. Yes. You know how many players have been in this league for years and are still younger than him? A lot. A lot. A yeah. lot of really good players in this league. You know, obviously Mike Trout. Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Mookie Betts, there's more, who have been in this league for one, two, three, four years. And Aaron Judge feels like this young, young guy who's coming on up. He's not that young. I mean, granted, he's not in his prime yet. No. You know, he might be in his physical prime because he's an absolute savage, 6'7", 285. But he's not a spring chicken. He ain't 21 years old. He's 25. No, he's, he's a, a semi-elite player. So that's one thing yeah. I just want to like also mention the Yankee fans. Maybe that can be looked at as a good thing, that he won't get as frazzled, say, because he's a little bit older, more mature mentally right. than, say, a 21-year-old like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado when they were young in the league. Right. But Yankee fans also need to remember that when you say he's a young player, he's not a true youngin. He's just, you know, not quite at his prime yet. Just throwing that out there. Nick, okay. take, take the floor. Uh, well, this is, is nice for me. I, I get an unexpected uh, college baseball plug. But I, I have a hard time knocking a guy uh, for staying in college uh, the way Judge did. Um, and, you know, obviously that's why he, he is his age currently. Right. I will also say that the Judge's Chambers thing, I think, is a bit overblown. I thought that, that this was going to go the opposite of the way that it is where Joe was going to be enthusiastic about it and I was going to have to come in and, and put the fire out. But actually, I really don't have a problem with the whole Judge's Chambers bit. I think at the end of the day, it's wood paneling. Right. Really, like, if Aaron Judge never hits another home run again, you come in there and you pull the paneling off and yeah, but nothing ever happens. But isn't that bizarre? Isn't that weird? Isn't that bad for his psyche? I, I mean, for me personally, I guess it depends on the type of person that you are. Where if I were up at bat and I saw a bunch of guys in my personal section, I, that's awesome to me. Right. I, you know, I, I don't think, and like you said, I think maybe it's, it's beneficial to him to be older uh, where he can withstand something like that and not let it, you know, get to his head. Like if, Od- if there was an Odell Beckham <laughs> section out in Giant Stadium somewhere... You know every time Odell scored, he'd be like pointing up there, kissing up there, trying to throw the ball as far as he can up right. there, and that would get to his damn head. Granted, he would still probably play well, but Iron Judge, mentally mature, 25-year-old, maybe it doesn't bother him. Maybe I'm just nitpicking. I think it's possible, but I don't know. So, before we move on from the Yankees, again, Sports Blog New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy here, Joe Calabrese, Nick DeGrasse. Aren't you going to ask me who I would rather on my team? Do we have to? <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's ask you. Who would you rather have, Joe? Aaron Judge or Michael Conforto? Michael Conforto. No, I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> Everybody knows that you're kidding. <laughs> I, w- I, w- I, w- I want to end this on a really, really positive note. I think it's awesome that both of those guys, as of right now, should probably be starting in the All-Star game. I a 100% Wait, wait believe- let's throw this out there. No, I, Do you what? know how Michael Conforto's not on the ballot? He should be. He's not on the ballot. The Mets have been pumping out on Twitter, hashtag write in Conforto, because he's not on the ballot. He should, well, he should be starting in the All-Star game. But, you know, in all fairness, maybe that's to his benefit. Because I think when when you can get a sort of campaign like that going, especially if it's like a like a trendy little hashtag like that, Yeah. I, obviously he should be on the ballot. I'm not going to say, wow, it's great. Yeah. But uh, You're uh, looking at the brighter side. Yeah, you know, maybe that gets him a little momentum. Get it trending, you know? Who knows? I like your style. Yeah. I like your style. Uh, and if you like our style, please subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, app, as well as Google Play. All you listeners out there, we definitely appreciate all you guys, no matter where you may be. New York, New, New York City, New Jersey, California, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, even Latvia. <laughs> and that brings me to a point. Brings me to a very important point. So I hope you're listening, and I hope you're listening intently. If you listen to one of our podcasts, not the most recent one, but the one about a week ago, yesterday or the day before, you can check it out. It's led with Porzingis trade question mark. That was a podcast where one of our fellow SBNY team members drafted up this idea of a trade for Christoph Porzingis to go to Boston and for the Knicks to get some picks back. And you know what? He told me this. Maybe I was in a weird mood. And I said, wow, this isn't that crazy. This is not that crazy. It kind of works for both teams. Boston would be a contender. The Knicks are set for the future. Phil, you done did it. You made you made me think of a reason why we should get rid of this guy. Well, I'm coming here to you today to make sure that you know I was crazy. I was losing my mind. Don't trade Porzingis. Don't do it. And I had to change a heart. And here's why. I happened to be perusing through our statistics of listeners for this SBNY podcast, and I noticed that there was one listener who wasn't from America on the specific podcast where we talked about the Porzingis trade, question mark, and that specific listener was from Latvia. Christoph Porzingis is currently in Latvia right now. Am I saying that he was the one listening to this podcast, hearing about how he should get traded? I'm not saying that. But goddamn if he was, and he was upset at me as a Knicks fan for wanting to trade him, I'm taking it back. I'm recalling it. There's no reason to trade KP. He's the only bright spot on the Knicks. If we lose him, the Knicks fans will lose hope. And that's hard for the Knicks fans to actually lose hope because they get it back every year. KP is still our savior. There's no reason for us to trade him. And I'm just making that as clear as day. So KP, I'm pulling a Stephen A. Smith. If you're listening... Out in Latvia right now, just know, I want you in the garden playing for the Knicks. And that's my piece. Also, you know, Kristaps, if you are listening, you don't have to, to come out and say it, but maybe, you know, bring a, a banana to a, to a press conference, you know, and let us, let us know. We, you don't have to come out and, and plug us, but just let us know on the, on the low, on the low. That, that you are listening. If it is you, I, you know, I don't know. We don't know. Maybe it's someone in your circle. But if this guy in your circle is still listening, let him know. You know, let KP know. 
A little banana at the press conference. He don't even need to wave it around. He just needs to have the banana. Put it right next to the Gatorade. You know, he was cramping up at practice. He wanted to get the extra potassium. It's all good. We love you, KP. Don't ask for a trade. <laughs> That's it. I had to get that out there. I had like a nightmare like after that when I saw that Latvia. There was a Latvian listener to our podcast, and it was the specific podcast where we said trade Przingis. I had a nightmare. I was like, God forbid. Someone, it was his brother or something. I don't know. The odds are, no, it was not. But God forbid. Can you imagine that? Oh, man. I literally, I was nervous. I had to get it off my chest. <laughs> well, it was a basketball fan in Latvia. Either way. Like, I don't know. Plus, who's to say how big Latvia is, really? You know, maybe <laughs> they see Kristaps walking down the street. They say, hey, we listen to the podcast, Kristaps, and uh, bad news for you. <laughs> they want you traded, you know? I, I don't know. I don't know what Latvia is like. Just throwing it out there. I know in Baton Rouge we're very friendly. If I see someone on the streets, I'm going to say hello. I'm going to ask them how their day is. Yeah. I'm going to say, hey, I heard something about you. <laughs> they want you traded on SBNY. Uh, do, as of 2015, what is the population of Latvia? Oh, my God. I feel like I'm going to get. I'm gonna be so out of touch on this one. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm going to go with uh, a, like a 800,000. Is it okay? So this is I'm gonna a mill. A mill. I want to preface it with one question, okay? <laughs> is it is it population wise bigger or smaller than New York City? Smaller. Significantly smaller. Significantly smaller. All right. So yeah, then I'll go like uh, I'll say like one one point five mil. Nick is the closest without going over. It was one point nine million. One point nine mil. One point nine seven. Actually, if you want to round off, it's two, but it's one point nine seven eight. As of a uh, simple little Google search. And what is the population of New York City? It's got a little be, over eight million, I think. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's, that's Manhattan, right? Not no, no, eight million all to, together. Okay. All, all the metro, metro New York City. Yeah. But that's just to give you an idea of how little I know about right. Latvia. Is that I had to ask if there were more or less than eight million people there? I don't know. Yeah, the population of <laughs> Manhattan is actually itself. I think it's like two point five to three million. Manhattan wow. alone. Well, the fact oh, that there's that almost two great. million people in Latvia makes me feel a lot better, right. and I will be able to sleep at night knowing that that most likely, <laughs> statistically speaking, was probably not someone in the Kristaps' circle. Statistically speaking, but just in case, now it's off my chest. I feel a lot better. Don't leave us. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the playoffs here. So currently, the Cavs are playing the Celtics. Like literally, as we're speaking right now, the game is on in the background. But you listening to this podcast. On Friday, or Saturday, maybe Sunday, I don't know. Depends on your viewing pleasures. Uh, you already know that the Cavs won. But realistically, we all knew that the Cavs won, you know, about a week ago. When Game 1 started. Right? Everybody chopped this one up. It's actually pretty crazy to think. I don't remember a series in my life where, before Game 1 even started, we were just like, alright, when, when does the final start? Who cares about this series? Celtics are playing the Cavs, right? The Cavs are going to win four, maybe five. This series is over. So thank God we could actually stop worrying about the Celtics series. It is officially over. Now we just have about a week to wait for Warriors-Cavs. Round three. Are you guys excited? Are you guys like, oh my God, here we go again? Or are you somewhere in the middle? I I will say that I, I gave it, just getting back to the, the Celtics point for one quick second. Yeah. I will say that I gave it some thought like, Maybe we are underrating the Celtics so much that maybe they come out with a little, uh, you know, no one believes in us. And that, they thought, didn't. that thought crossed my mind. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? For no. a quick second. And then you're like, no, this that's, is dumb. That's not how it works. No. <laughs> so I'll go back to the other thing. To the uh, 
I'm very excited. I this this is like uh, to me it, it's like I'm a, a big UFC guy, so it's like uh, you know you have two fights, two knockouts, you know what on on both sides, and this is is the rubber match, you know coming in hot, uh, a little wrinkle in it with KD this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would be worried if I were the Warriors about Kyrie, because when Kyrie gets hot, man, he's scary. He's really like playoff Kyrie is frightening. I mean, you seen it in Game Five, was it when he dropped forty two? Yeah, Game Four. Game well, Four. Yeah, right. Game Five is right. tonight happening currently. Well, That's true. Okay. No, but you're. I think you make a really good point. Kyrie is the X factor. I heard Colin Cowherd today. They talked about the odds to win MVP for the finals. You mm-hmm. know. And I believe the list was KD, Steph, LeBron, uh, Draymond, and then Kyrie was you know top to bottom of most likely to win MVP. And he goes, I'm, Kyrie's my my dark horse here. There's a real chance where Kyrie comes out and drops 35 a night because he's more or less unguardable at times. His handles are you know if not the best top three in the league. His jump shot can heat up as much as anybody's in the league, and he's dynamic. And if they're paying attention to LeBron and they're paying attention to Kevin Love in the corners, running around the outside, popping threes, Kyrie can see some lanes. Uh, it's going to be interesting. But I'm with you. This is how I look at it, too. You ever see a movie that the whole movie's fine, but then the ending was just phenomenal? I can't think of one off the top of my head, but those, <laughs> those movies exist, right? Like, Sure. Yeah. Like, or a TV show where you, know, you watch the whole, the whole series and the series is fine. And then the last episode of the season is like mind-blowing, spectacular. Well, that is this playoffs right here. It's like you knew what was going to happen at the end. Like you knew where the two powers were going to come from as soon as it started. But now those two powers are facing off head-to-head. Like I don't care if you have a thousand complaints about the playoffs or the regular season. That's no reason to miss out on the first ever back-to-back-to-back rematch in the NBA Finals. First ever in the history of the NBA. It's amazing it's never happened before. In, and the NBA is a dynasty league. It's the Lakers how it's and never Celtics. Happened before. The Spurs. LeBron. You've never had a back-to-back-to-back rematch. Didn't, ever. Didn't happen in 86 because the Rockets beat the Lakers. Uh, didn't happen in the 90s because the Bulls and the Jazz went back-to-back and then Jordan retired. And then the lockout shortened season happened in 99. And, I mean, I can't even think... Oh, the, the Spurs and the Heat was back-to-back a couple of years ago, right? Right. But they yeah. didn't get three. No, they didn't get three. So... And I'm sure there, there are previous series that I'm missing. Like, I know off the top of my head, like, Washington and Seattle were twice in the late, uh, late 70s. And going back even further, I'm sure the Celtics and the Lakers had multiple times where they faced each other in the finals in consecutive years. That's incredible to think about. I, I made this point maybe two weeks ago now, and I felt very confident saying it then, and I said, and I'll say it again, any other matchup in this finals would have been an utter disappointment to watch. If somehow the Celtics beat the Cavs in this last series, it would have been disappointing to not see LeBron and the Cavs face off against the Warriors. Because the Warriors probably would have watched the Celtics, and it would have been a walk, a walk home for them. I'm so happy that we finally made it to the finals, is my point. Because all these people who've complained... That you knew this was going to happen the whole year. You know, it's only a two-team league. Well, so what? Now, those two teams are about to face off. Best of seven. Let's do it. Yeah, I I don't think that, that any sort of underdog story 
would have been enough to redeem, uh, like, a Celtics-Warriors final. I, I don't think people would care. Um, but also, you know, you, you spoke about movies before and how there are movies that, that are mediocre throughout and then they end and it's like, wow, this is what I came for. And I think to an extent that's why we watch TV, no? Yeah. Uh, like something, are you a Game of Thrones guy? No. I know Joe is. Yes. Uh, and Game of Thrones I think is phenomenal, but I, I, you know, people are so, uh, so enthralled by it because of the potential of the ending. And I think that that's, that's something that we live with every day. And I, I think it's crazy to, to knock something because you knew that the ending was coming. Right. You know. You don't know the outcome. No. You knew what the ending, like setting would be correct and i don't think that's an issue at all i think it obviously it hurts your your viewership early uh but i don't think that there would have been a more watched finals of any of the 16 teams involved right no absolutely not like not even close any other finals combination wouldn't even touch what these final numbers are going to hit in my opinion and i think that's a decently educated guess as you know, I'm kind of a nerd with with ratings. I, I look at ratings all the time for not even just sports games, but for TV shows, all that stuff. The ratings are going to be through the roof for these games. Because you have a top five, top three, top two basketball player of all time. And you have probably the best team of all time. No matter if it's a BS super team that Kevin Durant uh, helped create because he left Oklahoma City Thunder, a direct competitor for the Warriors, to go there. Whether he did that or not, the fact of the matter is this team is stacked. They're one of the best teams of all time, point blank, period. End of story. And then on the other side, you have LeBron James, top player of all time, one of the top players of all time, with two other all-stars and a damn good team around him who beat this team one year ago. There's nothing more I could have asked for out of this, like what's going to happen in this NBA Finals. The only thing that I'm afraid of, and this might be a hot take, Warriors in five. Yeah, I yeah, I was just thinking um, as far as as narrative changing series. I can't think of anything where I felt like so much as far as legacy goes is riding on this one series for everyone involved. Everybody involved. Yeah, I'm gonna write that that legacy uh, hanging in the balance right now. I'm gonna say Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Most pressure on him in this NBA Finals. He's the guy who created all this. BS drama of people complaining about the NBA this year. He has a lot of pressure on his back right now. Then, LeBron James. Because he's LeBron James, and he'll get criticism for sneezing the wrong way. And then, Steph, Clay, and Draymond are probably all equal of, if you lose two times in a row, and maybe you guys aren't exactly what you thought, and this whole regular season thing is a lot of hype, but you can't beat the best. So, there's pressure. There's pressure on both sides. And I think it's going to be electric to start this season off. I'm serious off. Joe, how do you feel about this? You've been a little quiet for a minute. Uh, well, last year I thought it was the Legacy Series, but now that you're, you mentioned Durant, I can I can see why this would be a Legacy Series for him. I mean, I'm like I said before, this is very historic because this has never happened before. So in that sense, I'm pretty interested in watching it. I'm not really... I'm a fair-weather kind of NBA fan recently just because of the what the Knicks have put me through. <laughs> you know, I'm really not one of those league pass guys who follows up on the, the regular season, but I do consider myself knowledgeable, and obviously you I know... you tell me you don't watch the Jazz or the Kings or the Pelicans? Shout no, out, I mean... Shout out Louisiana. Shout out the Pelicans, baby. 
Nick happens to be a, a season ticket holder of the New Orleans Pelicans. Isn't that right? Can I, wait, can I throw in a side out real quick? Go ahead. Well, actually, Nick, I'll let you take the floor. Just tell me how much it is for season tickets for cheap seats in New Orleans, and then you can mention how much one ticket is in the, for the next. <laughs> okay, so I before the season started, so before uh, the DeMarcus Cousins trade, obviously, uh, they I had reached out. Actually, I had an Uber driver who was also a sales rep for the Pelicans. Wow, nice little life there. So, yeah, I was going to... Uh, to an LSU game, he was you know driving us over to campus. I had a couple uh, daiquiris in me, <laughs> and uh, you know I was talking about Saints tickets and and Pelicans tickets, and he was like, you know, uh, give me your information, I'll hook you up. So he called me later, a hundred dollars for nosebleed seats, a hundred dollars a ticket for uh, the season, for the whole season, for the whole. <laughs> wait, 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 listeners, listeners, if you are from New York, New Jersey, New York City, listen to this. $100 for season tickets. That's all the home games. Or maybe most of them. I don't know how it works. All of them. And let me give all you the kicker. Uh, they do like a season ticket holder outdoor event before every game. And it's free beer for season ticket holders before the game starts. What? Yeah. So that's $100. I think you get two or three free beers before every game. And then your ticket. That is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You know, I actually went to a Knicks-Pelicans game this year, and I've said this on the podcast maybe 15 times. The game Derrick Rose didn't show up to, Anthony Davis also dropped like 50. <laughs> uh, I paid $150 for seat. I could have gotten I could have gotten 40, 41 games in New Orleans for that. Decent seats. Yeah. Damn. And actually... That I'll, hurts my feelings. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, I was... I worked in Cooperstown last summer, mm-hmm. uh, and I was actually having a conversation, just a casual name drop here, uh, Cooper Manning, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> right. And I, I was like, hey, you know, Coop, we're obviously nickname basis. Uh, I said, you know, uh, let me know about Saints tickets, and then we got on to Pelicans tickets, and I was like, you know, they give you free beer. And Cooper Manning looked at me and he said, you can go on any corner in New Orleans and find free beer. He said, who cares? <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I really took that to heart. I was like, wow, Cooper Manning, uh, maybe, maybe these tickets aren't as great a deal as I thought. But then you look at stub up tickets in New York and you're like, I'll take all those free beers. Absolutely. Yeah. 10 times out of 10. <laughs> all right. Well, that's some good talk. I think we did good today so far. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. Joe, you too. Uh, before we end up, we got like two minutes before we hit an hour mark. Uh, we touched on a lot of stuff. Odell, Cat, Mets, Yanks. NBA playoffs, a lot of stuff on the SBNY podcast today. But last but not least, you know, we're all, we're all New Yorkers here. You're not specifically a Knicks fan, Nick, but I know I am. I know Joe is. What's your gut say about who the Knicks will end up drafting? Any of you can pop in who wants to go first. Just give me your gut because we're, we're a month away, so it's too, a little bit too far to make like super specific uh, picks and decisions on mock drafts and crap. Who's your gut say the Knicks will end up drafting at eight? Russ Smith. Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith. Dennis Why did I say Russ? Uh, Louisville, former guy. He's, yeah. He's a, he's, a real, he's a real guy. Yeah. Dennis Smith. That's wow, your... Dennis Smith. That is incredible. I, I, that, that's a bad slip. That's two <laughs> slips in one podcast. Yeah, Dennis Smith. The, the guard who plays now, not JR's cousin. <laughs> I genuinely do have a feeling that they end up moving the pick. Really? I do. Because wow. um, I, I feel like the pressure on Phil currently just 
to do anything that shakes up this organization at this point. Uh, and I think New York will do that to you. I really do. Hmm. Uh, if they keep the pick, I think they go with the, the French kid, though. Frank Frankie Nicotine? Yes. As, uh, he's getting the nickname from the Ringer podcast. Frankie Nicotine, they call him. I like that. <laughs> um, my gut is also Frankie Nicotine, and it makes me a little nervous. Makes me just a little nervous. I like him. He's got upside. The Knicks might not be the best spot for him, but my gut's saying Frankie Nicotine as well. It's just hard. Uh, to... we're, we're a little far out, though, too. Yeah. You know? And I think it's hard to to get a real grasp on what kind of player someone like that is. Well, obviously, how much can we watch them? I mean, and he's only played 18 minutes a game in France as well, on top of the fact that he played in France. Right. So, On a scale of 1 to 10, if they take the French kid, my enthusiasm will be a negative 10. What? Yeah, but come on, guy. But what was the enthusiasm like for Porzingis? It's the same thing. I, I, mine was kind of high, actually. Uh, mine was, too. But that's because I, I always tend to go opposite of what Knicks fans think. Because they're always wrong. They're always wrong. <laughs> That is probably the smartest thing <laughs> I've ever heard anybody say. When a Knicks fan says something, just be like, okay, yes, it's clearly going to be the opposite <laughs> of that. Just like when all my friends were saying, hey, you know, I really think the Knicks have a chance to be like a top four seed in the East last year. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to say maybe like seven or eight. And I still was sold them too high. Yeah. I should have went even more opposite. And let's also say that being a top four seed in the East means nothing. Like if you're, if LeBron James <laughs> is not your team in the East, who cares? That's true right now. That's true right now. I'm going to end with this, and then you guys can spit out your last comment, and then we're going to close this one off. Phil Jackson has two years left here. If he hits on this pick at number eight, and maybe even hits on another second-round pick, gets another okay Courtney Lee-type free agent signing, he hits on this pick, next year hits on another pick. There is a weird, weird universe where after five years of Phil Jackson who was putting Knicks fans through hell and back, we, we stop and say, hey, Phil left us off all right. With KP, Dennis Smith, Willie Hernan Gomez, who, el- who the hell else knows we might end up with by two more years, there's a weird universe that exists where we say, Phil, you didn't end, you didn't end up blowing it too bad. Now, is, in this universe is... Is uh, Joe Kim Noah still on the books? Is that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. So, you know what you just did right there? You heard a Knicks fan say something. I did. And, and I said, said, no, no, no. And you said, I'll do the opposite. <laughs> That's great stuff. That's Nick Nagrowski, Joe Calabrese. I'm Peter Kennedy. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Especially those ratings and reviews. And uh, tell your friends. Any last words? Uh, go Tigers in the SEC baseball tournament right now. That's oh, yeah? Got. yeah? Oh, yeah. LSU, shout out. I'm very happy we brought Nick on finally. This was a long time coming. Nick is a, a pillar with SBNY. He's on the Mount Rushmore, the core four. Yeah, I've been four doing this a long time now. Uh, whatever, yeah. whatever uh, the final four, I don't even know. Whatever, whatever. The Mount Rushmore. The, the, the iter- whatever iteration of four you want to describe, Nick is on that. He, this has been a long time coming. I'm very happy you got to, to do it. I'm happy to be back, and I had a blast. This was great. Absolutely. Shout out to you. Shout out to me. Shout out to Nick. Shout out to Phil. Shout out to Joe Stahlbeck. That's probably Ryan Rushmore right there, right? Yes, that is. Shout out to SBNY, Sports Blog New York at S- Sports Blog NYC. Hopefully you enjoyed the show, and have a good one.